Himanshu Lal Das and we have an amazing guest, Peter Kelly. He's a writer, he's a kind of into shamanic culture. So, hey, Peter. Hey, Himanshu. How are you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So, let's get directly into the uh, discussion round. So, I'll just start okay. with first, uh, your Instagram name. It's subconsciously conscious. So, what is subconsciously conscious? Yeah, so subconsciously conscious is it's set up the page basically just around a kind of a, a movement to do with the work that I do, which is all about bringing the subconscious information into the conscious, uh, into the conscious world, so that we can actually use that information um, as a guide to to direct us basically back to our true selves. So basically, it's using all the subconscious information patterns and symbols, signs that, that come to us in daily life and in dreams and any way really at all that we can then use to decipher and and use that to to find us in, in our own path of, of, of self-discovery to our true path. Amazing, amazing. So does a lucid dream come into this uh, genre of subconsciously conscious? Yeah, I mean, any kind of like any kind of dream at all, like lucid dream or just, just standard dreams as well. I mean, anything at all that we can decipher. Um, like, like the dreams, any any form of dreams are really just direct communication from our subconscious. So oftentimes, like once we can decipher it, um, there's nearly always some kind of message that's there uh, to direct us, I suppose, if, if anything is, is out of a line in, in our own psyche or just in relation to anything that might be going on in our lives as well. So it, it can all be used really to, to, to guide us once we can decipher it. Amazing, amazing. So uh, do, you believe, uh, do you believe in self-analysis? Yeah, in, in self-analysis. So basically like with, with self-analysis, it's all that work that we kind of do on ourselves. And if you look to the, the ancient mystery schools and, and the mysteries, um, like the mantra was always like, know thyself. So like the... The know thyself mantra is just basically about really analyzing ourselves, you know, checking in with ourselves constantly and seeing, you know, what we can learn about ourselves. And and oftentimes it's it's a bit about becoming aware of of our traits and our habits, and more so the the traits and habits that we have that we're not really that we're not really proud of, you know, things that we have that you know that we're kind of maybe ashamed of and things like that. And the more we kind of get to know ourselves and know those traits that we have, you know, that kind of gives us a map on where we actually need to to direct our attention for the work that we need to do on ourselves to improve ourselves. You know, for example, like, you know, saying the negative traits that we might have and, you know, how we are, what triggers us, you know, all the different aspects of, of ourselves and really becoming kind of self-conscious of, of those traits and habits of ourselves. And then obviously using that as a map for us to, to okay, these are the areas in my life that I need to work on. Why do I respond this way? Why do I get triggered this way? You know, what does that show me about myself? And, and again, that's just really kind of figuring out, you know, because oftentimes what happens is we look at those negative sides of ourselves and the things that we're not happy about, but we don't want to look at it. So we kind of, we, we run from it. Whereas those traits and those habits that we have is it's all coming from like programming, whether it's ancestral or whether it's, you know, from our own, our own lifetime as well. And it's just things for us to look at that we can actually improve upon. Amazing. Amazing. Actually, the thing is I was going through your Insta bio and uh, you have stated there that you are searching for truth. So what is this truth you are searching for and uh, why you are searching for truth? Yeah, so and again, that comes back to, I mean, for me, it's it's been kind of a roundabout journey, really. Like, I had a lot of interest, like, in ancient cultures and, you know, kind of different texts and the likes of that and, and ancient philosophies and just really kind of trying to find, I suppose, purpose with myself and just in everything else in the world. And I suppose the deeper I delved into truth, 
you know, I've come to realize that truth is actually everything. And my concept, I suppose, of truth is I believe truth is, is God. It's a perception that as mortals that we can't actually really tune into because being mortal, we we live in a dualistic world and, you know, we have like, you know, love and hate. We have, you know, everything is, it has, has an opposite polar polar aspect. So for me, the search for truth is is really just trying to, and again, it aligns with the work that we do in ourselves and the more that we can clean up and work on ourselves, you know, the, the more our perspective of, of the reality around us becomes closer to the truth. And we would probably never, ever really zone in on, on exactly truth because, you know, we're not divine. We're in this realm that we're in. We're going to have to look at the world through dualistic eyes. But again, the more that we search for that truth and the more that we kind of delve into it, whether it's ancient teachings and trying to learn from what the philosophers before us really taught and what, how they analyze the world around them, you know, and it's, it's just clearing up our own perception because with, with truth, and we all look at the world through colored eyes. We all have our own individual programming, whether it's from, you know, how we're raised, you know, so like obviously your grandparents are raised a certain way, you know, through how their lifetime panned out and before them, they pass it down to to their children, how they raise them. And again, maybe from a protective way, but they pass on their fears, trying to protect them. And then that passes on down the ancestral line. So again, that gives us a kind of a colored aspect of, of our reality, which isn't exactly truth. Then we also have things like, um, like traumas that happen to us in our lives as well. So traumas, again, like for an example, just say, for example, you're walking down the street one day and, and somebody robs you, you know, or somebody, you know, something like that happens. Well, then the next time you go out in society, you're going to be a little bit more cautious about people and maybe thinking that everybody could possibly rob you. So again, that's not a realistic or, or truthful view of the world, but it's it's a view of the world colored by your experience, your trauma. So again, it's about trying to peel back all these layers and get a more truthful perspective on the world. So basically on the world around us and also on, on ourselves and kind of having a perception of the world basically without viewing it from our experiences, but actually viewing it from what it is, you know, and everybody sees the world in a different way because nobody sees it as truth. Everybody sees it through their own coloring. So that search for truth is all about trying to peel back those layers you know, remove those programmings and and try to just find that that truth. And then also on top of that, the deeper that we go, that that search for truth is actually that search for God, that search for divinity. Amazing, amazing. So I guess uh, most of the people nowadays are searching for their half of the truth, like uh, their perspective of the truth, what they think in their subconscious mind. So I guess truth is different from reality. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, that's the thing, the one thing about the subconscious and, and, and why I really like to bring the whole kind of concept of, of the making the subconscious conscious is because the subconscious is something that's sealed. It's not it's not influenced by, by conscious reality. Like our conscious reality is influenced by, like I said, by all those aspects that happen to us and change how we, how we view the world. But the subconscious is untouched. So it's basically, it's like our middle ground between the super consciousness, which is divinity, and our conscious reality. So basically the subconscious is just that, that that it receives the signal from, from above, we'll say from the divine super consciousness and then plays it out to us. So it only knows how to direct us in one way, which is to direct us to our true selves, which is the best version of ourselves that we can be. So once we can decipher that and follow those signs and symbols, it's always gonna lead us to a truer path anyway. Um, and again, like sometimes it will just lead us to those dark aspects of ourselves as, as Jung would say that the shadow self basically so that we can actually address those sides, work on them, you know, integrate them. And then that removes that, that aspect of coloring, you know, and again, it's, it's, I mean, 
the work is never done. So like it, it, it's an ongoing work. So it's it's all about like really just deciphering that subcon- subconscious communication that we can then lead a more truer life, I suppose, and actually peel back those veils of the so-called reality that we do live in and actually see it from a more truer perspective. Amazing. amazing. Yeah, right. So uh, I, I read that you are into a shamanic culture. So what is the shaman? What is this shamanic culture is all about? Yeah, so the, with the shamanic side of things, it's, I mean, shamanism is basically all about being in tune with nature and kind of aligning with nature and using those natural forces kind of to to navigate those, those realms, um, those realms that we can actually go into, which are basically kind of tied into the subconscious as well. I mean, it's basically traversing the subconscious realms, but using maybe in tune with nature. And, you know, it can be done in many different ways as well. Um, so like some of it, like I work a bit with plant medicines, which is kind of really tapping into a lot of the, the kind of shamanic realms as well. And it's, it's using those kind of realms to guide and, and, and like forces and, and spirits of nature to help us to kind of work on ourselves and, and to work on those dark aspects of ourselves. You know, and there is various different aspects. And another aspect that, that I use as well would be, um, like shamanic journeying, which is where we kind of using the shamanic drum, we kind of go into, um, to kind of a shamanic state where we can actually navigate like the lower worlds and get information. And basically those lower worlds is just us navigating our own subconscious. And then it's coming back and and journaling that information. And then it's because the subconscious speaks in a very ancient and archaic way, it speaks through the language of symbolism. So it's all about really addressing that symbolism, being able to decipher it and, and work it into how it applies into each individual's life. Because the subconscious, like symbolism can be, you know, one, one, one aspect of, just say, for example, like an animal, like a cat or something, like a cat can have a million different deciphers, you know, but it all depends basically on, on a lot of different factors, like the, the, the psychology of the person, what's happening in the person's life, you know, how that symbol relates to other symbols that have come up as well. So basically with the shamanic side of things, it's, it, it's about going into those, those realms um, aligning with nature, using different aspects of nature and then deciphering the symbolism and, and the, and the patterns that come back. Yeah, right. So actually, the thing is, I did my first podcast with Barbara Bracker. So she told me about uh, her journey, her journey, uh, healing journey with ayahuasca. So mm-hmm. what's your healing journey with ayahuasca and Cambo? Yes, so is is it's 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 a fantastic medicine it, it's really is it, it's phenomenal and i suppose in my, my own journey i had come to a point of i suppose doing a lot of work on myself and, and a lot of the know thyself work which is the, the self-analysis and, and really kind of understanding the different aspects of you know of the, of the traits that i had that i wasn't happy with um, and the different all those different aspects so i come to a point where i suppose i could logically understand you know why i had these traits where they were coming from but the problem, and, and I suppose the wall that I had hit was, I, I still wasn't able to to really change those habits. And for me, I had been researching like a lot of plant medicines for a long time. And ayahuasca just happened to come at that perfect time where I kind of got that stage, but didn't know how to change the habits. So with ayahuasca for me, um, once I kind of started my journey with, 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 with ayahuasca and different plant medicines, it really just took me to a point where obviously from, from the habits that we have in life, like we're not, we're not taught how to, to address emotions or, or traumas in, in an emotional way. So ayahuasca just happens to, to be able to kind of give you that little push 
into that aspect of yourself to really look at those dark areas, maybe those areas that we've we've suppressed so deeply that it, that it's hard to kind of access them otherwise. So it really kind of helped to to, to navigate in. And again, like ayahuasca, it, it's a very sacred medicine, and and there is really like a deep spirit that, that works in that medicine, and she guides you and she really does take you to these areas, um, you know exactly. And she knows you better than 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 you know yourself. So basically, she knows what to work on first. So you might have, have a certain trait that you might want to work on. You might want to tap into a certain area, but she might know that you might need to tap into something over here first that will allow you then to come to that aspect that you actually want to work on. So it's a very sacred in, in how she works and how she guides you. But it's basically just like opening a door that gets you in to these maybe traumatic experiences or just these suppressed emotions or aspects of, of, of your life or even ancestry for you to actually to feed into them and, and to release them. So that's basically how, how ayahuasca had come to, to, to work with me. And, and for Cambo, then Cambo is, is again, it's, it's another it's another Amazonian medicine that's used. And it actually comes from a, an Amazonian frog. And how Cambo happens to work is it's a complete flush of the system. So it works like it works in four four different realms. So it works on us physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. So, again, what Cambo can really go in and help to, to clean out the body of, of toxins, parasites and the likes of that. And it has this amazing ability where it can actually it can actually break the brain, uh, the blood brain barrier, which most pharmaceutical uh, drugs can't do, and uh, which means that what it does is it actually goes into the receptors of the brain and it actually triggers the brain to do a complete self heal of the body. So it's like to you know, for example, if you're if you're sick, maybe you have the flu. I mean, the symptoms that we see with the flu or whatever is actually our body fighting the infection. So what Cambo happens to do is it happens to go in and trigger all these receptors in the brain to cause like an immediate and fast self-healing response to the body. So it can have like amazing physical um, health benefits. Um, you know, it, it can cure kind of all, all sorts of ailments really by flushing out the system and cleaning out the system. But it also then can help to, to release, release like trapped emotions. So again, it can bring a lot of emotional stuff to the surface, things that maybe we've trapped in our bodies for a long time. Um, and just allows it to bring us to the surface for, and for us to maybe take the time, sit with it and feel those emotions and release them. And again, it, it clears a lot of the, we would say the brain fog as well, which on, on a spiritual level as well, that can kind of allow us to be kind of cleaner and then more connected to that, that divine signal that, that does come true constantly as well. So again, like these, these, like these medicines, they all, they work very well together, um, but they also work fantastically like on their own as well. So again, they, they really do help us to, to get to aspects of ourselves that we just normally can't access, you know, just due to the program, you know, just from lifetimes habits that, you know, it's, it's hard to look into these deep, dark aspects of ourselves when we've buried them for so long. So they can really just help to open that door and, and, and get us in there. If they don't fix us. I mean, the work is still on us to do the work, but when we're in a position that we've decided and are dedicated to actually doing that work to, to help and to heal ourselves, they can actually help us just open that door. But then it's for us to, to walk through that door and, and do that work then in day-to-day -day life. Yeah, right, right, right. Actually, the thing is, I read uh, a lot about ayahuasca and uh, mother ayahuasca and uh, found and concluded that you didn't go to uh, ayahuasca. It came to you when you needed it the most. Yeah, exactly. That That's kind of exactly it. And, and like... Like now, I, I actually work with I work with plant medicines a lot, and and we always we always it's one of the things we always say to people who come is the fact that like the timing is always right. It's just it's 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 just it's kind of amazing really how it works, but it does like she really does 
the timing will just come. It's just like universal timing. So it's like, yeah, exactly. She comes to you exactly when the timing is right. You know, and when people actually usually turn up to, to do ayahuasca or to, to work with that medicine, like it, things are really just perfectly aligned for it to happen. Um, like it's hard to put it into words to explain it, but it's it's like you come to to ayahuasca and like she finds you as you said, and it's just because the timing is right. Maybe some of these emotions are really at the surface, or they're just it's a perfect time in your life to make make that change to 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 release these things and actually kind of push forward into into a to a, a truer state of living. Amazing, amazing. Uh, can you some explain some uh, facts and uh, about the uh, Esotericism. Yes, so with esotericism is is basically I mean like you have exotericism and then you have esotericism. So esotericism is usually kind of like a like a set, a more smaller kind of confine of 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 information that 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 people can apply. So like in relation to myself and, and the way I, I view esotericism is basically it's it's using different form of knowledge that would have been used, we'll say, in a lot of more ancient times in how we actually decipher things. So, for example, like a lot of the, the religious texts. So, like, when we look at religious texts, like, and especially if you look at religion nowadays, um, like, religion nowadays preaches texts like verbatim, you know, as in, you know, if you don't do this, you know, your God will do this, for example, or whatever. You know, it has all these stories, we'll say, for example, in the Bible or whatever religious text that, that you believe. And this is the same with ancient texts as well. But what esotericism is, is it's using that con- other form of, of information, the other form of knowledge or wisdom, which is basically symbolic. So again, it's using the language of symbolism and really applying that into these texts and into these things that, that, that we read. So basically, for example, you can have a story in the Bible about, you know, of whatever, you know, a certain animal, you know, a certain this and that. And it's not just about the animal or whatever. It's actually about this, what that animal means and what something else means you know, uh, within that text. So it's, again, it's like reading like, you know, an ancient text about like a serpent. So the serpent doesn't mean it was a snake there. The serpent could mean many things. And again, it depends on the context of, of the text. For example, a serpent can mean like transmutation. It can mean transformation. You know, it can mean, um, it can mean sexual energy. It, it can mean so many different things, but it's, it's really, esotericism is really about reading things and viewing information with a very, not we'll say what how the world is taught at the moment. We're not using that kind of a span of information to, to decipher the, the the words that we read, but it's using a very select um symbolic understanding of, of how we view things. So esotericism for me is all about like reading between the lines. So it's like you know you could read a certain line of a sentence, but rather than taking it as verbatim, you're actually reading in between the lines. Okay, what what's what's the symbols that are here? What's what's the actual true story that's that lies underneath? So for me, that that's where, where esotericism would, would really pan out for me. Amazing, amazing. So what is philosophy and psychology and how they are connected? Um, yeah, so I suppose with philosophy, um, philosophy for me is it's how we take concepts of the universe and the world that we live in. So again, I can kind of come into a lot of things and it's, you know, philosophizing and maybe working out ideas, theories and concepts of the world and the workings of the world and, and everything else. Whereas for me, psychology is more working out the in-depth psyche of, of, of the self. You know, it, it's working out how, how, the, how the psyche of, of, of humans work. 
whether it's humanity as, as, as a collective or as an individual self, you know, how does that, that how does our psychology change? What, what makes us change? What makes us act or behave in certain ways? Whereas philosophy then is a more kind of a wider spectrum of, of how the world works, we'll say, and can, can influence us. And I suppose how the two of them really combine, it's, it's, it's the theories on the workings of the world and how that can influence the working of the self. So it's basically putting that kind of a wider mm-hmm. universal kind of concepts and, and theories and ideas of how things can possibly pan out and then how they actually um, impact the self. And then it's working out on the actual internal psychology, the internal workings of that impact then on each individual. So they really do work kind of very well hand in hand, and especially when you're kind of doing a lot of kind of deep work. It's good to know how your external surroundings, you know, and the workings of, of the universe can influence our own, our own, um, you know, our own individual perceptions. Yeah, right. I guess so environment plays a vital role in what we can say, character building. Sorry, say that again. I said uh, environment plays a vital role in character building. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's it. it it's, it's, it's important to know, obviously, like how things affect us. You know, it, it's, it's important to be able to understand like how different things affect us so is that we can actually then apply it back to ourselves, you know, and, and how, you know, for example, diff- different workings of the world, different environments, you know, they're all going to play some kind of an impact on ourselves. So, in order for us to kind of build ourselves better, we need to understand what affects us. So, you know, what affects us in, in the larger scale, like in the macro side of things, um, right down to the micro side. So once we can have a better understanding of what goes on around us, how it impacts us, how it influences, that then allows us to kind of transfer that within ourselves into our own individual psyche and see, you know, maybe there's certain things that don't align with us, there's certain things that maybe impact us in a negative way. So in order for us to, to, to build on our own individual character and to strengthen ourselves and you know, what we have, strengthen ourselves in the strengths that we have, but also to strengthen ourselves in the weaknesses that we have, you know, it's important to know exactly how different aspects affect us so is that we can then apply, apply those and maybe kind of use our strengths going forward and also then to be aware of those weaknesses, those triggers, those aspects of, of, of life, of society, of the universe that, that kind of affect us in a negative way and maybe see what we can do to, to build on those, to, to strengthen those. And in some cases, maybe it could be just teaching us of, of things maybe to avoid as well so that we can actually then build on a, a better character for ourselves individually. Right, right, right. So um, what is this uh, transmutation of chaos? Yes, so transmutation of chaos, it's, it's, it's something I've had kind of as a large process there maybe in the last maybe six or eight months in, in particular, which is, I suppose for most of my life, I, I'd been in a state of misery and just, you know, obviously I, I've come from a background of, of, of drug and alcohol uh, addiction, you know, and for me, a big thing for me was, you know, when things would go wrong in life, you know, that I'd, I'd decide to, to punish myself a bit and put myself into a spiral of chaos, um, which is the best way I suppose of describing it. But for me, the transmutation of chaos is just coming to a state of, you know, realization of, okay, when something happens, you know, something, you know, that that's, we'll say negative, that's the chaos, but it's a case of, okay, do I have, can I do anything to control this or can I change this? And most times you can't. So it's a case of, okay, well, I can, I can create a whole negative situation here and make things worse for me, or else I can just sit within this chaos. And while I sit within this chaos, you know, and if I take my time and, and take a breath, I can really like absorb and, and, and take note of what's happening around me. 
And once I can take note of, of what's happening around me, which is basically like sitting within the flames and, and sitting in that chaos, it allows me to kind of get a, a deeper perspective of actually what's happening. And it's like taking a breath and taking a minute to see how I actually respond rather than react. Because when we, we react within chaos, it's nearly always something negative. You know, we lash out in anger or we, we act in a certain kind of a chaotic way. Whereas if we actually take a moment to sit within that chaos and observe it and really learn from it and, and understand what's actually going on, then it allows us to actually respond in a healthy way. You know, maybe take a lesson from that chaos. And once we actually take a lesson from the chaos of what's going on around us, we then have more wisdom and power to actually to transmute that chaos. And we can actually turn it into something positive. Because for me, the chaos and creativity are, are, are on both, both ends of the one spectrum. So it's again, it's just a case of transmuting it like in, in an alchemical process of taking, okay, this is a chaotic moment. Okay, what can I learn from it? Rather than me reacting to it, what can I learn from it? And once I learn from it, then I know how to respond to it in a healthy way. And that way then it, it, it doesn't set me back, but I actually take it as a lesson to go forward. So for me, that's, it's been a really, really powerful, powerful tool for me and, and just transmuting that chaos from a chaotic energy into something more creative, to be more creative in how I respond. Okay, this is this is the this is the way the best way for me to respond to this situation, you know, and to move past it and to get over it and to handle it. Um, so it really is like an alchemical process of just transmuting that that negative of chaotic energy and bringing it up the scale up to into something that's more creative. Amazing, amazing. So, according to your journey into spirituality, uh, in the perspective of your experience. How you overcome toxicity and deal with self sabotage? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I suppose it would like toxicity is. I mean, a lot of toxicity really roots within ourselves, you know, and that's that's the one thing I suppose that, that we, we all need to to realize is once we kind of have anything that that affects us negatively or anything that 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 stirs up something in us, whatever it's you know, chaos or, or, or some kind of like a toxic environment or toxic people, there's something there that's always showing us. So again, and, and that ties into the self-sabotage and, and it's kind of linked to, 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 to your last question as well about the transmutation of chaos because once we kind of feel that we're in this toxic environment or where we're in, you know, something negative is going on or whatever, it's a, a, an effect from other people or just from society, the environment of society that we're currently in, you know, at any given stage, you know, it's about really learning what's a trigger in us. Okay, what's my reaction here? What's where is it coming from? You know, you know, maybe I'm not happy with with a situation that's going on or something like that. But again, it's it's looking at deep within myself. So taking it back to the to the self analysis again, the know thyself work and say, okay, why is this triggering me? Why is it making me feel this certain way? And understanding that and seeing what what is triggering me. Okay, this is triggering something because I don't like. Uh, you know, maybe it's, it's an authority thing. Maybe I don't like it. It's, it's an authority position being pushed on me or something. I don't agree with it, maybe morally or something like that. But it's, it always comes back to taking it back home to ourselves and realizing what's it triggering me. And that comes down to the self-analysis work as well. And once we can do that work, we can avoid the self-sabotage. Once we can, again, it's like the transmutation of chaos. You know, we can either choose to react to it and kind of go down that spiral of, of chaos again, which is self-sabotage. So like, for example, with me, when I was in my drug and alcohol addictions, you know, when something would go wrong, I'd decide to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to drink more or I'm going to take more drugs and I'm going to kind of self-sabotage myself to deal with what was going on, which wasn't dealing with it really. Like it was just me reacting to it. 
I'd sabotage myself by drinking more or taking more drugs, you know, and that's that self-sabotage. I'm going to punish myself for what's going on in the world rather than actually dealing with it. So really getting past that comes back to like the transmutation of chaos. It's really sitting within that moment, you know, analyzing what's happened for me, what's going on here, how can I deal with this situation? And rather than reacting and put myself into a state of self-sabotage, it's all about learning, learning. Okay, now I'm taking that moment to transmute it and then to, to basically creatively respond to it. All right. So um, you wrote a book. Yeah, yeah. I um, I yeah. I wrote a, a poetry book there and just self-published recently. Yeah. So explain the book's content. Yes, yeah, so it's it's a it's a poetry book which uh, I I named the Phoenix Birth, um, and the name actually came to me on on, on an ayahuasca experience, but the Phoenix Birth it's it's a compilation of twenty four poems, and the twenty four poems are all based around my own journey, um, and again it's based around my own journey once I had kind of come from my negative aspect of self to a more neutral state, so it was kind of like looking back, and just me in words, venting the lessons that I've learned, the wisdom that I've picked up from my years, we'll say, of just darkness and misery, and then how I kind of, how I've maybe come through, how I've learned to deal with the different aspects of my, my shadow self and, and the darkness that was within me, we'll say. Um, so the whole the whole 24 poems, like they each kind of cover different aspects, and, and sometimes it's just a, it's a certain aspect of something I was going through at a certain time, but it's just my way of putting it in words. And, and again, with my words, I use a lot of, of symbology. I use the language of symbology a lot. So, and that esotericism comes into my writing as well. So I kind of just convey my own message of, of how I view what I was going through and different aspects of life that I'm going through or, or that I view in society and, and, and then how I've maybe addressed it or how I come through it. Um, and sometimes I don't always come through it. Sometimes it's just it, it's just an event for me of just becoming conscious of what's actually happening. You know, I might still be stuck in some of those situations, but it's I just vent in the words of as part of my journey that this is this is you know how I see it. This is how I can choose to sit within it and how I, how I respond to it. So the twenty four poems really just kind of take it through my own personal journey of of facing adversity, facing those shadow sides of myself. You know, and again, it's 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 a journey that we're all on. Anybody who's doing any kind of self-work, you know, it doesn't matter if we have different traumas that are at root or different life experiences. Psychologically, we all end up with the same traits and the same habits. So I think it's something that a lot of people can really resonate with, even on their own journey. Um, so it's just basically just my interpretation of that through my own use of words and my own use of language and symbology. All right, right. So this is the end of our discussion round and uh, we have come to our last round, recommendation round. So recommend your favorite book, web series, movie, anything, which things uh, one should read or listen or see to build a greater self offense in life. Yeah, that's it. It's a tough one to narrow down. Um, in relation to books, I suppose just just for myself, one one book I suppose that stands out in relation to a bit of a an insight into the ancient mystery schools and the mysteries and esotericism would be by Manly P. Hall. Uh, he has a book called The Secret Teaching of All Ages, and it's a really good book. It has a real kind of a, a 
kind of a light synopsis of a lot of the different ancient cultures and their their mysteries, which basically gives a kind of an insight on on the symbology and the language that they use and the story that they tell. And it's basically the same story, but all of us finding our true selves, you know, about being initiated, you know, dying, but not in the, the actual sense, but dying in order to be reborn. So basically it's like death of the old self and rebirth of the new self. So that's um, The Secret Teaching of All Ages by Manly P. Hall. And another book, I suppose, that, that's one of my favorites of all time, which is um, The Iliad by Homer. And the reason The Iliad always stands out to me, and I read it quite re- regularly, is just Homer's concept on the gods. His, ho- his whole concept of the gods throughout that war, you know, he really personalized them. Like, and again, it's it's like, it's the achievement we have with nature when you look at the shamanic work. It's like you really embody like an individual god for like whether it's an anger that's in you, whether it's war, whether it's rage, he's really able to in in, in his poetry, like he's really able to embody the individual gods coming to the battlefield, you know, and, and either helping humanity, going against humanity, or else overtaking the individual people within that. I just think it, it's a really it's a beautiful concept the way that he actually lays it out within within that story of of how the the gods are really here with us. And when we choose to step into a certain role of ourselves, whether it's a certain emotional role or a certain stance that we take, that we're really embodying, embodying the power of those gods, just the same way as we can embody the, the power of, of the spirits of nature to really help us to push through different aspects. So that's so the, the Iliad by Homer. So it's, it's, a, it's a really, really good read. Yeah. Um, so... Just try, try, trying to think of, of anything else off the top of my head. It's, it's just when you, when you, somebody, somebody puts you on the spot and asks you, it's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to think amongst all the great books that are out there. Um, <laughs> but right. um, yeah, and uh, movies, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. I think the matrix is a very good movie for people to maybe get an idea of the concept of how the world is, you know, it, it's done through a great story and it's done through a great movie, but if you actually peel back the, the visual effects and the you know this if you actually look at like the, what, what the root story is underneath that it, it's exactly what, it's exactly what's going on in the world like you know it's it's about people being conformed into into a way of living and it's become <clears throat> like we are we are in the image of god we can manifest reality and because knowledge has been coerced for so long that we now have created this this um this collective reality that we live in and it doesn't mean that it's true you know, it's just because everybody has said this is the way things are and this is this is how it should be. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And I think what's happening in the world at the moment is a lot of people are really kind of waking up to to themselves and believing that, no, there has to be something more to this life. There has to be something more divine. There has to be something more naturally connected, I suppose, for us all. So I, I think it, that movie is a really good way of, of, of showing, like, alternatively, you know, a more truthful aspect of, of, of how the world is, you know, and how we can actually wake ourselves up to, to this so-called social programming and this so-called just programming in general and, and really release ourselves and become more free. Yeah. Right. By seeing matrix, I guess, uh, I concluded that we live in a virtual reality realm, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's it. Like it, it is, it's, 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 it's a kind of a coerced reality. You know, it's basically like we re- religion, as I said, like like religious texts are being are taught exoterically. 
So basically, like as a verbatim way, this is this is exactly how you're supposed to be. Whereas if you actually really look at the esoteric side to, to religious texts, there's a far more deeper meaning. And the, the meaning is always about like ourselves, that like God is within. We have a divine spark that we're connected with. We actually we don't need external to tell us what to do, to find truth and to find that, that true connection to divinity and become more divine ourselves is we actually have it within. And if you look at some of the Gnostic texts from like a religious side of things, it was all about God as within. It's all about releasing that. It's all about going within and, and facing the demons, facing the devil, facing the those demon aspects of ourselves and releasing that. So, you know, and that's the course reality is that religion has been taught as in exoterically to keep us in line. Then the educational system has aligned with that to teach us this is the way that you need to learn. The world is this way. You need to go do this, then get a job and then do this. But nobody actually teaches people how to live you know which is what we all have to do every single day so that coerced reality is is what has been formed like and it is a virtual reality because you know it's only a reality because we all agree that this is reality but there's so many other options of reality again that we can actually live and experience if we just kind of cut ourselves free from you know this whole system telling us this is how things are this is how things should be you know once you kind of cut those ties and you start to unlearn all these things you can actually really sever that reality and really create something more natural, more in tune and more even divine for ourselves. And and and, and that's really where where the true self is, comes forward. And that's where true happiness really comes from. All right. So that's it for the podcast. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you, Amanchu. Really appreciate you reaching out, man. It's it's a it's an honor to to catch up with you and to speak with you. And yeah, and just it, it's 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 an honor to see to see other people just really expanding the their own consciousness and just seeing what else is out there because you know so many people have have so many interesting stories to tell in in, in their own journey and something that we can all learn from so i really appreciate it man yeah thank you thank you thank you, thank you.